North to south, from the choppy wavelets of the Susquehanna Flats to the rolling surges of the Virginia Capes, the bay measures almost exactly two hundred miles. Alone among its vital statistics, its breadth is not impressive. The extremes are four miles near Annapolis and about thirty miles near the mouth of the Potomac River. In all else, the bay is champion. Its shoreline is prodigious. Put together the great rivers on its western shore, the York, the James, the Susquehanna, and the Potomac, add the labyrinthine marshlands of the eastern shore, always capitalized, since it is a land unto itself. The combined shorelines string out to about 4,000 miles, or more than enough to cross the country at its widest. Some say the figure doubles if all tributaries are followed beyond the reach of the tide. The bay's entire watershed extends north through Pennsylvania to the Finger Lakes in Mohawk Valley country of New York, by virtue of the Susquehanna, the mother river that created the bay in Pleistocene time. To the west it traces far back into the furrowed heartland of Appalachia, but one mountain ridge short of the Ohio-Mississippi drainage by agency of the Potomac. To the east, the flatland rivers of the eastern shore rise from gum and oak thickets almost within hearing distance of the pounding surf of the Atlantic barrier islands. To the south, bay waters seep through wooded swamps to the North Carolina sounds, where palmettos, alligators, and great stands of bald cypress first appear. To qualify as an estuary, a body of water must be well enclosed, provide easy entry and exit for open seawater, and enjoy a vigorous infusion of fresh water from one or more rivers. These are minimum requirements. The fjords of Norway are estuaries, but they are uniformly rocky, deep, and thus biologically impoverished which is why Norwegian fishermen spend most of their time on offshore banks. A good estuary with high biological productivity requires other things. Shallow water, for one, which the sun can penetrate to nourish both plankton and rooted aquatic plants. Extensive marshland is another. An estuary without it lacks the lacework of tidal creeks and shallow coves which trap nutrients and protect and feed the larvae and juveniles of a host of fish and invertebrates. Also, to be summa cum laude in estuarine productivity, there must be circulation. A good mix, one is tempted to say, is almost everything. Not just in one direction. There should be two-layered or horizontal circulation in which heavier salt water from the ocean slides under the lighter and fresher surface water from rivers. Inexorably, that is, with a net flow upstream on the bottom and downstream on the top, which surmounts the temporary effects of wind and tide. Ideally, there should also be some vertical mixing, which is not found in every estuary since it requires significant contrasts in depths and water temperatures. By all tests, the Chesapeake does well. Its very configuration, its long north-south axis, encourages and concentrates horizontal or two-layered circulation.
The result is a splendid salinity gradation, or to be more exact, 25 parts salt per thousand of water, down near the Virginia Capes, which is almost ocean, to zero or fresh water at the northern or upper end of the bay. Freshwater infusion is constant and indeed vigorous. Often, in fact, it is too much of a good thing, as when the rivers of the western shore rise in spring floods. Mightiest of these is the Susquehanna, the longest river of the eastern seaboard. Next, in order, along the bay's western shore come the Potomac, James, Rappahannock, York, and Patuxent. We must note these next in rank carefully because each is a considerable estuary in its own right, which replicates the salinity gradients of the main bay. The York, although at the smaller end of the scale, is a good example.